Hello and welcome to Stick Together, Australia's only national radio show all about workers' rights and social justice. Stick Together is produced at 3CR Radio in Melbourne and broadcast to you around the country on Community Radio Network. I'm Dennis Rogatyuk. Last couple of weeks have been filled with an almost unending barrage of news and information of strikes, pickets, community rallies, stopwork actions and other forms of industrial struggle right across Australia. Warehousing workers, wharfies, public transport workers have all been engaging in industrial dispute with the management. Over in Victoria, the big news on the industrial front has been the upcoming work stoppages by the Rail, Tram and Bus Union as part of its current dispute with the management of Metro. After rejecting the union's demands of 18% pay rise over the next four years, Metro decided to terminate the negotiations with the union on Monday, August 17th and gave the workers until 5 p.m. that day to accept their pay offer of just 10%. Following that, the company called upon the Fair Work Commission to intervene. Originally, the union was planning to hold free travel days and full day strike on Friday, but following an ultimatum by the Daniel Andrews State Government, the free travel days have been called off, while a four-hour stoppage is due to take place on Friday, August the 21st. Now here's a question. Can we do anything to support our comrades on trams, trains and rail tracks? Hell yes, we can. The RTBU is called the Community and Union Rally this coming Friday the 21st at 12.30pm on the steps of Flinders City Station in Melbourne, Sibiri. Anyone who wants to stand in solidarity with our brothers and sisters should head straight to the city. That's Friday, August the 21st, 12.30pm at the steps of Flinders Street Station. Moving on to the news of the warehouse floor. In Laverton, the warehousing workers of Woolworths Melbourne Liquor Distribution Centre went on a wildcard strike on August 9th at exactly 4am. The warehouse employees covered by the National Union of Workers took unprotected industrial action in response to the attempts by the corporate giant to place all the workers in the warehouse on casual labour hire conditions. During the last round of enterprise bargaining negotiations between the Woolworth management and the workers on the site, the company promised to ensure that all current employees would remain employed directly by Woolworths, while the casual employees would retain their right to become permanent employees. For four days between August 9th and August 13th, the workers manned the picket lines, not letting anything in or out of the house. Considering that the entire center employed hundreds of workers, and was the primary point of distribution of liquor and alcoholic beverages around the state, a number of liquor stores that sourced their stock directly from MLDC, such as Dan Murphy's and BWS, have started to experience shortages. Furthermore, the workers from a number of warehouses and distribution centers in Victoria and around Australia also took solidarity actions in support of their comrades at the MLDC. Some were in the form of messages of support and calls for solidarity, others in the form of direct work stoppages and bans on overtime. The industrial action finally came to an end on Thursday, August the 13th, following a prolonged round of negotiations between the MLDC management and the National Union of Workers. The proposed new agreement paves the way for labor hire workers to be employed on the site, but with strict adherence to the rules and provisions set out by the union. This includes labor hire workers being paid on-site rates and covered by the EBA, the preference in employment going to permanent workers, 
and the additional labor hire workers only being employed during peak time periods. Tim Kennedy, the Union National Secretary, recommended that the workers accept the new deal package and return to work. Although 70% of workers voted to accept the deal, the remaining 30% were against it, feeling that the success of the unprotected action paved the way for a much better deal and the possibility of Wilworth completely withdrawing its plans to introduce labor hire. Furthermore, several delegates will also reportedly be investigated by the company management for their role in organizing the picket lines, which sounds more like victimization and intimidation of militant unionists. One of the National Union of Workers activists who played an active part in supporting the dispute will be joining us shortly for an interview. But before that, I'd just like all of us to sit back for a moment and fully comprehend what actually took place last week. The workers took it upon themselves to band together and stand up against a retail corporate giant that was seeking to completely wipe out any notion of job security at their workplace. Unprotected industrial actions and wildcat strikes of this size and magnitude are not only rare, but also incredibly hard to organize these days. What, but what if Tim Kennedy and the union leadership decided to fully back and support the unprotected action and stop labor hire introduction in its tracks. Could this have grown into something much bigger than a single industrial action? Could this have become the spark that we have so desperately been needing to ignite the flame of countrywide resistance against labor hire companies? Something to think about next time we see an action like this. Joining us now is Ryan, a long-time union activist with the National Union of Workers and a member of Socialist Alternative. Ryan, thank you so much for joining us on Stick Together. Uh, no worries, Dennis. I'm glad to be talking. Now, Ryan, what do you feel uh, made the MLDC dispute different from the other disputes at the NEW sites this year? Well, uh, on one level, it, it wasn't that different from a lot of other disputes in the sense that the key thing uh, the management was trying to do was introduce labor hire, which is something that I think workers all across the industry and um, every other industry you know, face similar problems of casualization, insecurity, and that sort of stuff. Um, but what made this dispute um, different was that the workers voted to walk out around it. Um, and when they walked out, it was outside of um, a legally sanctioned enterprise bargaining period. Um, which is pretty much the only time that workers are allowed to strike. And in this one, they didn't go through any of the proper channels, They didn't, and they struck outside of an enterprise bargaining period. And I think that they were able to do this um, because uh, a series of activists um, have been involved with the warehouse um, for a number of years now, trying to organize the workers uh, on an independent basis, um, and in a way that means that whenever they, whenever outrages like this occur, workers can effectively take action. So a series of socialists in the warehouses um, and also outside of outside of the MLDC um, have been doing what they can to build up a layer of activists over the years. And so, in a real sense, this was a strike that was led by rank and file activists rather than the union higher ups itself. So whenever they voted to go out on Sunday, they did it outside, or, you know, without the union calling an official strike or anything like that, and then continued over four days um, to stay out, to defy fair work injunctions, to defy threats of sacking from management, and continued to strike, you know, as, as I said, for four days. But the whole, the whole period, you know, the picket line, 
to, you know, organize, organizing mass meetings to be able to vote on everything that was happening in the strike. All of this stuff was carried out by um, rank-and-file activists on the, on the shop floor, which I think these days is um, extremely rare. And I think it really points the way forward for um, how unions can attempt to break out of the morass that they've sort of been in, in, in recent years as far as being restricted by uh, the legal boundaries of, of what's allowed as far as strike action um, and industrial disputes and so on. So right, um, right. I think it's in a real precedent for, for what workers are capable of if, if there's a bit of organization and leadership there. And uh, could you tell us a bit more about um, some of the solidarity actions that other Woolworths um, warehouses workers staged in support of their comrades at MLDC? Well, the Hume, the Woolworths Distribution Center, um, the Hume Woolworths Distribution Center in the north of Melbourne uh, called a four-hour stop work on Thursday. They voted for they voted to walk out for for their own reasons. Um, it's been big news that Hume is being shut down um, by Woolworths, and there's been a whole series of sackings and other issues for that workshed. But um, so the people went on strike for those reasons, but they also went out um, in order to show solidarity to the MLDC and to try to put a bit more pressure on Woolworths, which again is also extremely rare these days um, and actually illegal under secondary boycott laws. In addition to that, Barnawasa, which is another. Um, Woolworths said just up on the border of New South Wales. They went on, uh, well, they didn't um, go on strike, but they called a ban for all overtime because a lot of the work that was meant to be going through the MLDC was getting rerouted through Barnawasa. Um, so they stopped any worker from taking uh, additional overtime in order to stop the bosses from being able to pump out more stuff from Barnawasa to get down to Melbourne. In addition to that, a series of other warehouses in um, Queensland and New South Wales uh, organized, NUW organized meetings at these warehouses and passed motions of support for the MLDC workers. And I guess, you know, the workers at the MLDC, you know, having gone on track for four days and the potential um, and the beginnings of, of the spreading of this dispute to other warehouses. But it sort of did point the way forward that in order to take on a corporate giant like Woolworths, you know, we need to be able to spread industrial disputes to more than one site. Mm. Like just through shutting down the MLDC, you could see after, you know, two or three days, the bottle shops in the city, BWS, Ben Murphy's, and Woolworths were all running out of, um, were all running out of stock. You know, the stores were... Um, the store shelves are emptying. Um, word was that even several Dan Murphys actually closed after about the, um, the second or third day. So it put a huge amount of pressure. Now, that pressure could have been applied by two or three or four warehouses across the state and across the country. It really could have um, brought a corporate giant like Woolworths to its knees. Mm, absolutely. Uh, say, with the way that the dispute um, ended, do you feel like this that this was a bit of a lost opportunity to do exactly that, to bring uh, Woolworths to its knees? Well, there was always more that could have been done. Um, and I think given the circumstances, the fact that, you know, this sort of strike and these sorts of solidarity actions are just so unprecedented these days, um, I think I think that we did a lot, you know, and I think the, the workers at Woolworths, the workers at the MLDC should really hold their heads high. Um, could things have gone further? Yes, of course they could have. And I think ultimately that the union movement as a whole has got to be prepared um, to break the law in order to be able to push things forward, in order to be able to actually put some wins on the board and stop things like casual realization, sackings, you know, attacks on conditions and so on. And also it feels like um, like actually having a a militant union leadership is also another key to to success when when an opportunity like this uh, arrives. Yeah, I think it can be important. You know, I think, you know, unions like the NUA, the BLF, uh, the modern CFMEU, you know, are still um, the the backbone, you know, the sort of core of the union movement um, because they're defiant, you know, because they're willing to fight. Um, and I, so I think having a union, a militant leadership is important. 
But I think um, at this point, what's more important than even the leadership of the union is what's going on on the shop floor. Because the reality is that any union um, is going to have different ideas about how far the struggle should go and what direction it should go and so on uh, from what workers on the shop floor can have at, at some point. Um, so I think that the workers have to be prepared to organize um, on an independent basis and produce their own militants and their own rank-and-file activists that can actually try to lead things forward. At times, you know, that can be done in uh, collusion with union leaders. At other times, I think it has to be done um, outside of that. Yeah, because uh, also looking uh, at the same time, looking at um, uh, the current Hutchinson's dispute between the Maritime Union of Workers and the um, the Equipment Management, there we actually see a clear example of rank-and-file and the militant union, union leadership combining forces with, and with uh, someone with someone like Bob Carnegie actually uh, handling it in the way in the way that he did. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and you know, obviously, the MUA is an inspiration for for all of us. And um, the fact that they've um, continued to be to go on industrial action, they've um, it sounded like they got a bit of a mixed ruling from um, the federal court saying that the mm-hmm. workers are to be temporarily reinstated, but the bosses have now um, defied fair work or defied the federal court uh, and refused some of the workers back. Um, so it sounds like it's still a, a very much an ongoing thing. Um, but the fact is that the MUA had just accepted what the court said, what the fair work ruling before it had said, saying that they had to go back to work. If they just accepted that and rolled over um, and done what was demanded of them, then those jobs would be long gone. Um, so, yeah, it sounds like the fight's still going, and they've got a big fight in their hands. But um, the reality is that if, you know, the, thing, the reason why they're an inspiration for the rest of us is because they're willing to defy the laws, not because they're, you know, going to roll over every time they get ruled against absolutely and and, and also they, they also engage in a lot of additional tactics like uh, community pickets and uh, really actively b- building cross-union solidarity when actions like these when th- things like hutchinson's uh, happen yeah absolutely which is obviously has been important for us as well you know at the at the mldc strike you know getting people uh for other delegates from other um workplaces in the new getting we actually got um uh uh a handful of people from the MUA to come down to come and talk to the workers, a whole series of um, uh, socialist alternative comrades plus anarchists and other other sections of the left to come down and show support for the workers and help whatever way they could. That's that's always going to be a vital part um, of any struggle. And it sounds like the MUA, you know, really, um, you know, does that kind of stuff very well. Absolutely. Yeah. So thank you so much uh, for joining us uh, today. No worries. Thanks, Dennis. I appreciate it. No You're listening to Stick Together, workers' stories and union news. Broadcast around the country every week on the Community Radio Network. We've just heard from one of our comrades in the NEW discussing the struggle and the outcome of dispute at the Woolworths Distribution Center in Leverton. Moving on now to our final and vital part of the show today, the fight of Hutchinson's workers for the survival of their jobs and the future of the Australian maritime workforce. At five minutes past midnight on August the 7th, almost 100 dock workers and members of the Maritime Union of Australia received an email and an SMS that informed them their employment has been eliminated effective immediately. Something almost entirely unheard of, even in the most insecure sectors of our economy. From the early morning of August 7th, 
The Curly Street at Fisherman's Islands in Brisbane and Gate B-150 at Port Botany in Sydney have been manned and kept shut down by the pickets. The local community, as well as representatives of many unions, have been staunchly backing the industrial action undertaken by the maritime workers and their union. Construction workers, nurses, sparkies, plumbers, public servants, miners, and many others came out to support the striking maritime workers, while their leaders pledged their solidarity in support of all their members. Support also came from groups like the Aboriginal Tent Embassy of Redfern, while international support and solidarity has come from as far as Hong Kong, incidentally also where the headquarters of Hutchinson's Ports parent company are, are located. Despite both the Fair Work Commission and the bosses being squarely against them, the maritime workers finally won a small victory last Thursday, with the federal court ruling in favor of uh, reinstating them. The union and the Hutchinson's board are currently in negotiation over the dispute, but neither the community supports nor the union solidarity have ceased since the workers went back to the workplace on the day of the court ruling. Joining us again in the studio of, of Stick Together is Bob Carnegie, the MUA State uh, Secretary for Queensland Branch. Uh, Bob, how are you doing? Very well, how are you going? Excellent, very good, uh, thanks. Now, Bob, enlighten us. What has the situation been like on the ground since the Thursday ruling oh. by the Federal Court? Look, the, uh, after the initial euphoria settled down, uh, and as everything else, is that there's always some devil in the detail. Is workers who... Although they're sacking to be put on hold, that hasn't meant that they have been reinstated to go back to work. So it's a very technical uh, ruling. And uh, as far as we're concerned, what we want is we want our uh, our members to have a situation where they will all be uh, they they all go back to work, and then we sit down with the company in a mature way and try to work out what the problems are. Uh, we're not. We, we will never accept the fact that they got uh, sacked at uh, 11.30 by text message. That's simply not not the way you can do things. And uh, do you think that the the company was actually expecting such a fo- such a I would say a show of force from the union and uh, from the community itself? Oh look, I, look, the company might have. I think the overwhelming thing was the support of the community, um, the strength of the the, and also the very real solidarity that the Hutchison workers have shown together uh, that they're uh, uh, those that were sacked and those that want uh, th- th- those that weren't are the same they're, they're bonded together so it's uh, been a wonderful thing to see yeah because uh, it's always it's um uh, the entire dispute really, really galvanized um, uh, the whole, uh, the whole sort of uh, uh, the whole union scene in, in the country. So we've seen, you know, solidarity actions with the Hutchinson's yeah. workers. Well, not just in Australia, but internationally as well. Yeah. Yeah, ab- absolutely, and that's why we have to continue on with the the battle. You know, it's just uh, all we've had is a tiny, a tiny court victory in a in a in a long in what could well be a very long and difficult battle but we have to have situations develop where we can um you know we're workers when they're attacked that we fight back it's that we don't accept anything easily and so we uh just continue the battle and uh every day's one and and we have to one of the things that i've said in in brisbane is that uh, let's learn from this this fight that we're having now and let's try to become closer as a 
as a trade union and, and working class movement and, and uh, when you touch one of us, you touch all of us. Mm, absolutely. Um, now, with regards to the actual uh, court, court uh, ruling, um, what, do you, what do you think really made, like, what do you think really uh, uh, made the court rule, let's say, in workers' favour for now? Like, what is... Uh, look, the, I, I, it's a very hard question to answer, uh, Dennis, uh, but uh, uh, there's no doubt that the court took into account the, the fact that uh, the, the company didn't follow its, uh, didn't follow the legally binding EBA that it had with the union, uh, that it's, uh, it, it didn't do what a reasonable person would normally do in the, those circumstances, and its actions were extreme. So I believe that the courts tried to act to, to try to get the company to act within societal norms rather than anything else. Uh, you know, um, so... Um, as you know, we're still before the court, then, so I have to be very careful about what I say. Of course, of course. Um, now, Bob, you mentioned that uh, sort of this, uh, the court ruling was, I would say, a bit of a, a temporary victory for the, uh, yep. a small temporary victory for the workers' sides. So, what do you, yep. what do you foresee as the strategy within in the coming sort of weeks? Do you see more community actions, more community uh, pickets? Look, more absolutely. Look, if, if Hutchison doesn't talk uh, on the doesn't want to start talking properly. What's the? We'll we'll just we'll just have to turn the heat right up and just have a full flown huge uh, uh, trade union and community struggle against this uh, this monster from from Hong Kong, this Chinese octopus that thinks it can strangle the workers of the world. Well, we, the workers of the world are at least resisting it here in Brisbane and in Sydney, Australia, which is good. Mm-hmm. And I guess uh, the the Hutchinson dispute has also been a a clear example of uh, what what can be done when a when you have a militant union leadership that combines together with a strong rank and file grassroots organization on the on the workplace. I look, look, Dennis. Yeah. Uh, as I look upon myself only as a uh, as an instrument of the workers that are in struggle, and I'm I'm just their voice and. Uh, the little bit I do isn't very much, but what they, what rank and file workers do in uh, standing up against tyranny is is the big deal, and they're the ones that deserve all the credit and uh, kudos for having the bravery and the tenacity to take the fight up, mate. Mm. Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. Well, um, the, any, uh, anything else that we can do to support the Hutchinson's workers here in Melbourne no, or anywhere no. else in the world or in Australia? No, but Okay, all we all we need people is to stand by, and uh, the next couple of days are going to be difficult, but um, uh, things should start becoming clearer after Thursday. So, uh, stay, stand strong. Okay. Okay. Excellent. Excellent. Thank you. All but oh, thank you, uh, thank you, Bob. All the best to you. That was Bob Carnegie from the Maritime Union of Australia, talking to us about the ongoing dispute at Hutchinson Ports. Before we wrap up, let's take a moment to think about all the disputes and actions that we mentioned on the program today. As well as the news that Justice Dyson Hayden, one of the leading figures behind the Royal Commission into Unions, has not only been billed as a special guest at the Liberal Party fundraiser, but also helped to award Tony Abbott with the Rhodes Scholarship. It really is a shame that the ruling class boys club, that is our government, is not only so visibly corrupt, 
but also does everything within its power to demonize and destroy the organizing power of the working class. Except now, it seems tables have finally started turning and we may very well see the end of the coalition government in months to come. Just to finish off, I'd like to once again thank both Ryan and Bob for joining us on the show and giving us reports of their, of their picket lines. We'd also like to inform our listeners that uh, community assemblies in support of the sacked uh, Hutchinson's Ports uh, workers take place every Friday at Fisherman's Island in Brisbane and Port Botany in Sydney. Also, don't forget the community rally in support of the RTBU this Friday at uh, Flinders Street Station. And also on Friday, there will be a fundraiser to help launch the Green Left Radio as an official affiliate of 3CR. This will be at Kindred Studios in Yarraville at 7pm. So help support our sister program for the 99%. That will be all for us together this week. I'm Dennis Rogatyuk. And I'd also like to thank the Community Broadcasting Federation for its financial support of the program. Thank you for listening to today's episode. 